It's been, how long has it been? Like two, it's been over two months. And I haven't, we haven't spoken. So much has changed. As usual, I'm constantly changing, I feel. Growing, changing, learning. It's Saturday night. It's 9.30. Um, and I'm not doing anything. I was bored. I, it, it occurred to me that no one's in the apartment. That's always my prerequisite. I can't wait to have a studio and live alone so I can do these whenever I want. It's particularly because of the things that I've been learning and thinking about. I really don't want anyone to hear it that I live with. I want you guys to hear it because you seek it out. I don't want to have any troubles, you know, with, uh, with roommates or anything like that. And it's just like, it's, there's a freedom to like, just being, when you're, when you're doing what I do, anyone who has a solo podcast, it'd probably be different. Like if, if I'm, when I'm married or if I'm living with a girlfriend, I won't mind then. Cause they, they know, you know, when you're with someone like that, they, they know what you're, you know, you know, what, what are you, what are you worried about at that point? Who cares? Um, but in this case, yeah, I, I want to, I'm, I'm making more money now and I'm getting a promotion. Things are good, man. Things are good. There's a, that's the, that's the reason why I took off my picture from like, I changed the, you'll notice I changed the, the artwork. I, this is like a placeholder. I'll try to get something better. I mean, I'll have to pay for it. I just don't have, I got money I need to spend elsewhere um, at the moment, but I didn't want to have my face on the podcast anymore because I like my job. And it's like actually a career now, which is pretty dope. It's hard to care about your job. When I was doing accounting, it was just basic accounting. And like you can't get the six figures doing accounting unless you have a CPA. You know, that's basically... You really need a CPA because then that's corporate accounting or, you know, you're doing people's whatever. It's just you need to have that certification if you want to make real money. The job that I have now, the career that I have now, you can make real money just, you know, getting experience doing the job. Like I don't need any, I don't need to go back to school and I don't need to get any certifications or anything. I can just continue on the trajectory that I'm at and keep crushing and I'll make lots of money which is great but for that reason I don't I want this to be as anonymous as I could possibly make it so I don't want people to know that I work with I mean if anyone I work with followed me on Instagram for example I would block them immediately you know it just uh I don't want to mix those worlds, but I still want to be able to say the things that I want to say because it's fun. It's fun. And I've been having a lot of fun with comedy too. That's the other part. I'm going to talk about things. Um, I wasn't even going to do a podcast. I was bored. I haven't been drinking or smoking weed, which has been great. Like I've been feeling really good. And like I said, it's 930. Now it's like 935. And uh, I was thinking about even going to bed. You know, because I just didn't have anything to do. And I'm a little tired, but I, I was watching a video of a black guy telling the truth about Jews. It got me kind of fired up. His name's like Tommy Sotomayor or something like that. 
I just saw a clip on, on Twitter and he got me fired up and I was like, ah, yeah, I want to rant about the Jews and black people. But he, he's a black guy who gets it. Because I have become more racist since we last spoke. I would say that. I wouldn't say I've become more anti-Semitic. That was already there. I wouldn't say I've become more homophobic. That was already there. But the racism kicked in. But I think I can explain it in a way that you'll understand and we'll get to that. But the nice thing about having a career that I that I enjoy, that I actually have a future in, it can make like good fucking money. Um, you know, and if in a really like probably by next year I'll be making like, you know, solid money. But I'm talking about like supporting a family alone money. I could probably get that I don't know, five years, six years. And, and still the ceiling's even higher. I'm talking about like, this is a, it's, it's good. It's really good. Um, and in having that, I've been still continuing to do comedy, but I no longer want these things that I once wanted. And that's also part of growing up. Like I'm 30 years old now and I don't want to be famous. I don't want fame. I don't even want this podcast to grow really like, I want it to grow moderately and to just, like, it's a hobby, dude. That's what it is. Like, comedy is now officially a hobby for me. And it's it's beautiful. Like, I've become funnier because there's no pressure. And I can just say whatever I want. And, dude, like, that's the other thing is I'm very talented at it. That's the nice thing. Like, I go up there and I just, like, I'll just go up there with an idea and I'll just do five minutes on the idea. And maybe I have like a punchline floating around. But a lot of the time I don't even have a punchline floating around. I'm just like, I'm going to go up there and rant about this. And things are popping out of my head. Just, I, I went up the other day and um, it was a good group. Like, because I've kind of ingratiated myself in in a, in one element of the scene. Like, I kind of go to the same place a lot. I go to the same place for open mics a lot because I work right nearby. And I'm at that property a lot of the time. So I'll just go down the road. Uh, it's right down the block. And I will do open mics here a lot. And the guys who frequent it, they kind of get me now. Like, it took them a few months. But they, they get me now. And they get what I'm doing with my... With my comedy <clears throat> so that's been like a really nice development and that's made things funnier <clears throat> but then the other part is like I just don't care but I'll say whatever I want and like the influence that I'm having I went up the other day and I was just saying some like racist stuff that I mean and that's true you know and I was saying some stuff about Jews too I think but I, it was primarily like a racial set and a guy went up after me and, um, cause that's the thing. It's like, I'm not like, I'll only yell for dramatic, like for comedic effect. If I feel like it, and I feel it's appropriate and going to be funny, but otherwise I'll be very relaxed. I do comedy a lot. Of, like the way I do this, the, the way I do this, this, uh, podcast, it's kind of the delivery similar. And I went up there and I don't even remember what I was talking about, um, but I was saying some stuff about black people, like being, um, I think I was talking about them being less cool and like Drake painting his finger, fingernails like a faggot, you know, and like little Lucy Vert, 
has this like uh, I don't know why don't you look it up I'm gonna look it up right now because I think it's this album cover I didn't even believe it was real when I first saw it I'm gonna look it up on my phone I'm in the living room right now just lounging on the couch talking to you guys on the couch little Uzi Vert album cover yeah so it's just him and he's wearing like his hair first of all looks fucking retarded dude it's like all spiked up it's like very um and I'm gonna start saying the n-word on the podcast okay just when it when I feel that I need to so I just am giving you a heads up I still can't I it's not that I can't say it in my stand-up it's just like they're really not I okay I'll get to that too (laughs) hang on a sec but this album artwork, it's like the U.S. flag, but instead of red stripes, they're pink. And he's wearing this, like, pink... He's wearing a jacket that, like, matches the flag that's, like... It's, like, black and pink. And his hair looks fucking retarded. And he looks fucking retarded. And I think he has a gemstone in his forehead. I think he got a gemstone in his fucking forehead. Did he really... Did he really get a fucking gemstone in his forehead? I didn't even notice that. Lil Uzi Vert, gemstone. Let's see. Gemstone. Gemstone forehead. Let me see this. He's got a fucking diamond in his forehead. Guys. I really want to say it right now. I'll say it later in the episode. It's a little too early. I kind of want to bury it. We'll put it a little later. What kind of fucking... He's got a diamond in his forehead. It's like in his forehead. What the fuck are you doing? Uzi Vert, you fucking retard. Anyway, he he looks like half a fag on the album cover. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> basically I was up there and I was talking about like, what if black guys, black guys in particular, had going for them since the 90s, really? No, you know what? Since the 50s, man. Birth of the Cool. Isn't that the name? <sighs> Isn't that the name of the Miles Davis album? I'm sorry, I'm looking all these things up off the top. But I want to get you the good information here. Miles Davis. Cool album. What's it called? Love Technology. Birth of the Cool. When did it come out? Um, over the course of three sessions during 1949 and 1950. Black, black guys have been cool since the 50s, you know, since 1950. Like, Miles Davis, really fucking cool. John Coltrane, really cool. All the music was cool. I'm going to do an episode soon on music. Because there's a lot there as well. And it factors into, like, the degeneration of black culture. Because I feel like these rappers are, like, a really good example of, like, just what's happened to blacks. And it's just, like... When I see Drake with fingernails painted and he's doing like, I, I don't even know who this girl is. It's like podcast that like all these rappers are doing and she's like a white girl and they're like in bed together. Drake with his 
fairy fingernails and this girl and like I saw a clip for like eight seconds and I'm thinking to myself Drake must be gay at this point it's probably because he got so much pussy and it's just like meaningless to him now and he just needs dicks now that's what I imagine I imagine that's probably what happened he's just bored with women at this point he's probably become fully gay um so it's just, but that's not cool. Like, I don't even think that's a homophobic thing to say. I think even, (laughs) even maybe a liberal would agree that like gays aren't cool, you know, in a way that black guys have been cool for decades. Black guys have been cool and they've been determining what's cool. Like gay guys don't determine what's cool. They might, I mean, their fashion is stupid, too. They're not... So it's not even, like... I feel like they're more for, like, female culture, if anything. They factor more into, like... They don't... They don't have an effect on male culture in America. Gay guys. They really don't. Um, Some of them, like, have good style. Like, the less flamboyant ones. Like, some of them walk around wearing crop tops and stuff. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? But some of them who are more subdued in their homosexuality, some of them who are able to, like, not, who aren't flamboyant, um, they tend to, you know, they, they had, have, uh, I, some of them have, like, good style, they know how to dress and stuff, but you wouldn't, you still wouldn't call them cool, they're not cool. In the same way that you wouldn't call just, like, an average white guy cool, you don't think cool, but with black guys you do, but not anymore, I don't think. Like, this is what worries me about them. Because I'm like, guys, you've had this going for yourselves in, like, within the culture for so long. And now it seems like you're losing that, like, so rapidly. Drake is painting his fingernails. You know, Kanye's still cool. But... Look at that, like, look it up right now. Look up the Lil Uzi Vert album. Just type in Lil Uzi Vert album cover, and you'll see the one I'm talking about. That's gay and not cool. So what are you guys doing? And I was kind of just on stage, like, talking about that, how I'm worried. And I think it all started with that. You remember when the, huh, huh, huh. You remember, like, I can't show you the dance move that I'm thinking of, but it's like they cross their arms twice and then, like, put their knee in the air, you know what I mean, you know the dance that, like, got, it, like, went viral, like, it seems like it's kind of stopped now, but for years, for, like, maybe three years, it's just, like, every video of black people that you saw, they're all doing these same dance moves, and then white people started doing it, too, and it's, like, you know, you cross your arms in, like, an X, and then release them, and then cross them, and then, Huh, huh, huh. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's the, it, I found that the first time I saw it, I found it so cringe. And that's when I knew, but I couldn't put the words to it yet. It didn't register with me yet, like the implications of that. But that was the beginning. It was probably around 2017, 2018 that I was like, I knew in my heart, but I didn't have the words for it yet. But I knew in my heart that that was the death of the cool. Wow. Dude, I just thought of that because I just said birth of the cool. Birth of the cool is when black people started being cool in 1950 when Miles Davis made that album. That's when black people became cool. I mean, they were probably cool before that, 
But that was the birth of the cool. I mean, we're just calling it what it is. When I saw them do that dance, and again, I didn't know it at the time, but what we were all witnessing was the death of the cool. This is why you listen to this podcast, because that was pretty profound. But that was the end of it, and it's like now they're just becoming like it's it's just goes it, it's now it's inverting. Now it's inverting. Now they're actually uncool. Now they're painting their fingernails. Like, name me one. I don't know. I mean, I bet they're out there. I bet they're out there. But name me one non-gay white celebrity you can think of off the top of your head who's painting his fingernails. I'm trying to think. I'm really trying to think. Maybe I should say a white, like a white celebrity or something like that who's like well known and people think it like Matthew McConaughey isn't painting his fingernails. I think like the average person probably thinks Matthew McConaughey is pretty cool, man. He's pretty cool. All right. I don't want to do a I'm I can't really do a Matthew McConaughey impression, but I think that people would think that he's cool. And even the whites that aren't actually cool, but people just perceive as cool. Like the average person perceives as cool. Show me the white that's painting their fingernails. Show me the white guy painting his fingernails. Like that's some faggot stuff. And it's very uncool. It's the it's it's uncool, you know? It's not even that it's not cool. It's uncool. Okay? So it's actually we're at the the inversion of the bell curve. You know how the bell curve goes like up and over? It's like they've plummeted in their coolness so fast that they're now inverting. I'm probably, well, they've gone past the, um, the x-axis, basically. Is that the horizontal one? They've gone past zero. They're now in the negative, so they're uncool. Not all of them. Some of them are still cool, obviously, but it's just like, what's going on? And I feel like it's probably the Jews are just fucking with them, you know? You look at like Lil Nas X and you're like, that's there's nothing cool about that. He's just like a degenerate Satan worshiper. He probably doesn't even worship Satan, but the Jews are like, hey, we're gonna put this in your music video, okay? Just sign here's the check. Alright. That's a lot of money, Lil Nas, isn't it? You like that money? Okay. Just let us direct the music video. It's like, yes. He's like, slay. It's not cool. It's not, it's uncool. That's not. (laughs) I'm totally on like a tangent already. It's like, this isn't even what I intended to talk about. What I was going to tell you is that I was just on stage describing that in a comedic way. And it went well and people laughed at it. And the comic who went up after me, he's like, he was on stage and he's like, Dave, I love how casual you are about your racism. I could never do that. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, you can. I didn't say anything. I just said, thanks. I just like kind of nodded my head and gave him a thumbs up. But I was like, you can actually, you can. This is what I'm trying to like, I'm trying to have that influence on this New York City scene. And I've realized, because people have told me before, and it's true, like, and again, and and, and I'll, I'll just finish up this point. 
I don't care about being successful at comedy anymore for many reasons. The primary reason being that now I have a career that I enjoy. The secondary reason being that I, I don't really have a desire for fame the way that I used to. I don't care. And the other secondary reason being like being a working comedian sounds terrible. I want a family now. I'm 30. I want to meet a woman and marry her and have children. That's what I want. I want that way more than being famous. And now that I know I have the means to accomplish that financially, um, and I'm like getting my act together in many other ways, so I know that I could pull that off now so it's more real, the prospect is more real, that's what I want more than anything. So I don't care about this other shit. But the secondary reason being that being a touring comedian sounds terrible. Going around, like being on a plane all the time, going to different cities, you know, sitting in a hotel room. I mean, like, you don't just go to theaters. You don't just become famous. You got to grind. And a lot of these guys are in the grind their whole career. They don't get out of the grind. They don't have their breakthrough. They're working comics, making like maybe 70 grand off it, maybe 80 grand. Even if you're making... Let's put it like this. Let's say um, you could have an office job making $250,000 a year, or you could be a touring comedian making two hundred fifty grand a year. I would much rather have the office job doing two fifty dollars a year. Because then I could go home at night. You know, I could be a father and a husband, and I wouldn't have to leave for like weeks or months at a time. Like, it's just not for me. If you want to do it, by all means, but think about it practically. I never had thought about it practically. You just think about the dream. I want to be big. I want to be famous. And then you started to think about what the grind looks like and the idea and the prospect that you might not, no, 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 not that you might not, that you most likely will not be like Theo Vaughn. You're not going to be pulling in millions of dollars. And a lot of comics will say like, no, man, I just want to be a working comic. That's all I want to do. I just want to be a working comic. Okay. That's what they'll say. I don't need the millions of dollars. I don't need to be super famous. I just want to be able to make enough to like be a working comic and support myself. So what is that? Like 70 grand? That could be a hundred grand. Maybe you even make 120 grand, but you, that's what you want to do. Think about it, man. I mean, I've been doing this for nine years. Like, I've been doing stand-up for nine years. I did take, like, ten months off. So, let's say eight years. And, like, it's just, it's so tiresome. And if I had to do, like, shows all the time, that's the nice thing about mics is, like, I can just go up there and I don't care. There is a certain obligation you feel when you're getting paid to do shows to, like, do well and do the jokes that you know work. But the prospect of needing to do that all the time. You know, like, okay, I'll riff a little bit in the middle. I got to do my act for like five minutes off the top. I mean, I guess at that point you'd be doing like 45 minutes an hour. And you're like, okay, I got to do my act for X amount of time. And then I can throw in some new stuff. But if the new stuff's not working, I have to go back to the bits. Like needing to do your bits all the time. It just seems horrible. It sounds like, like I got to go up there and just do, it's like Groundhog Day. I got to do the same thing the same act for these people. Like, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to crush. It's way more fun for me to, like, riff. 
and not do bits and like just play around. That's why it's like a hobby. I don't care. I couldn't tour because I'd be, I'd probably be, um, I would just be, I'm not reliable. Like I tell people that if they want to book me on something, I'm like, okay, but like, I'm probably, that's why they don't book me. And I kind of am like, that's, and you're right for that. (laughs) I'm like, you're right to not book me. You're making the right decision for for your show to not, because like I will kill, but I might like really, really upset some people. (laughs) But Why would you do it otherwise? What's the point? Anyway, the point that I was going to make with that tangent, we're just going on tangents all the time. Don't you love it? Is that people will say to me, well, like comedically, like other comedians have suggested to me, why don't you go to like a different city, like a more southern city where people like go to Dallas or something and go do comedy there where they'll like the material you do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I have to do it here. Like, I'd much rather do it here. This is where I want to do it. I would rather, like, for me to, if I'm going to be on stage ranting, uh, like, doing a really racist rant, but that's true. It's not like I'm, and it's not, it's not like, you know, I'm calling them apes eating bananas. It's not like, I'm, I'm pointing out true things, and I just do the same thing that blacks, black comics do with whites. Like, these motherfucking white people, man, let me tell you something about these white people, man, man, look at these white crack ass motherfuckers, and then I just go up and I'm like, dude, these black people are fucking out of control, I'm like, this guy on the subway the other day, let me tell you about this fucking black guy on the subway, okay, so, <clears throat> it's just the same, it's, but it's, it's funny, and like, <laughs> it's like, they've been thinking it, I was doing this bit about where I'm like, how could any, because I, I, my bit was like racism is smart and white supremacy, like supremacy is stupid, not just white supremacy, but any supremacy I think is silly. But racism to me is like reasonable and it makes sense to me. Um, which to be fair, like I, that's just something that Owen Benjamin was talking about on his podcast and I was like, yeah. And then I thought of this bit, which I didn't take from his podcast, but. Um, the bit was just like, close your eyes. Okay. I'm going to tell you a word. Tell me what you imagine. Close your eyes. Okay. I'm going to say a word. Ready? Cuck. What do you see? You see a white guy. You see a scrawny white guy, you know, and he's sitting in the corner of the room while his wife's getting railed out by a black guy. Okay. So I'm like, how could you be a white supremacist? It's like, we're the face of cuckery. Okay. But then I'm like, at the same time, at the same time, you know, close your eyes. Let's do it again. Close your eyes. I'm going to tell you a word. What what do you see? Thief. What do you see? A black guy. He's wearing a mask and a hoodie. Okay. (laughs) And it was funny because, dude, like I'll tell a bit once and I'll literally never tell it again. Like I told that bit once last week. I thought of it before I went on stage. I told it, you guys just heard it for the second and probably last time ever. I'm just like, I just make new material all the fucking time because like, I'm blessed. It's awesome. That's kind of why I don't stop because I would just get a new hobby. Like maybe I'll join like, I don't know if they have any like, I would join like maybe a ping pong league. That sounds fun. 
I love ping pong. I was saying the other day, I was like, you know, when I have, once I have a house and property, I'm just going to like garden and build model trains because I love model trains since I was a kid. And I like having a nice garden. You know, I'm just going to like landscape my property. And then when it's dark out, I'm going to work on my model trains downstairs in the, in the cellar. And I'm not going to do comedy anymore. I mean, maybe I will here and there, but it's like, I'm, I'm still, when I live in the suburbs, I'm not going to like drive out to go to Mike's like, fuck that. What a, what a waste. I'm like, I don't care. Um, but for now it's like something to do and it's fun and it's my hobby. It's my hobby. It's my thing that I do outside of work. And this is another thing that I do outside of work. And, I, and then I hang out with my friends. Okay. What was the point that I was going to make though? I told that joke the other day and it was just funny because when I said the cuck part about the white, you know, I said, what, who do you see? Cuck, who do you see? White. Then they laughed. And then when I did it for the second part, I said, thief, who do you see? And when I said, you see a black guy, there were like some chuckles. And I said, I was like, you know, the whites don't really want to admit that that's what they see, but that's what they see. Oh, yes, they do. That's a black guy. Okay. And there's a lot other words. There's many other words like, because I was trying to think of more time. Again, I'll probably never tell the joke again. Maybe I will. But because I was thinking that one that occurred to me later, I would say smelly. Smelly, it would be like smelly. What do you see? Indian, Right. But we would have also accepted black. And then I was thinking like it could be like a Wheel of Fortune thing. Like you get different points. When you say smelly, like if you said white, it would be like, "Eh." if you said Indian, it would be like, oh, wow, 45 points. You know, if you said black, it'd be like, okay, 28 points. Not bad. If you said Asian, it would be like, ah, eight points. Eight points because sometimes they smell like kimchi, but only if they just made dinner and are Korean. You know, Japanese people don't smell. Pardon me, I was taking a sip of water. Where are we? We're at 30 minutes. That feels like it's flown by. I feel like I'm in the fucking zone right now. So I've just been telling you a lot about comedy and like the jokes that I'm telling, but it feels like this is a good forum to like tell you some of the jokes like in a way that I can kind of, that I'm not doing, well, again, this is like how, that's kind of how I would do it on stage, but at least there's somewhere, because like, I'm telling you guys, like, I'll tell a joke, it might even be a fucking awesome joke, and I'll just never tell it again, here's a joke that I can't tell, and we'll we'll do the thing that I said I was going to do earlier, but I want to, I want to tie up loose ends really quick, because I feel like there's something that I forgot, that I forgot to tie up that we were just talking about. And I just don't want to leave that thread. Um, so I was talking about how I don't care about comedy. It's like a hobby. Um, I don't know. That's just been freeing though. So I wanted to tell you about that. It's like having these dreams and aspirations, even if you're incredibly talented at it, like I am, you don't have to do that. You know, like it's not, 
you may view it as a calling and like you have to do it. Like put time and effort into it. I've done that. But then I'm like, this is just unrealistic for me. It's just not something like it's not viable for me. I don't want to tour. You know, the time for touring, like if I had blown up real quick when I first started doing comedy when I was 21. Yeah, that would have been great. It would have been a whole different thing, though. My life would have taken a whole different trajectory. But where it's at now, being 30, knowing the things that I know, talking about the things that I talk about, I can't have mainstream success as a comedian. So the best I could hope for is being like a non-mainstream working comic. No thank you, dude. No thank you. Not interested. Um, <laughs> and if the podcast ever gets like just a small following, maybe even just like a few hundred people or a couple thousand people, that'd be great. Like a little side thing that I do. And then that would be my hobby. I would never go on, like I wouldn't go on stage anymore. And I would just have a podcast that some people listen to. And that'd be cool. I mean, I already have a podcast that some people listen to. It's just very few people. That's all. Um, the reason I want to do it in New York City, though, is for the reason that that guy said. Because the influence that I want to have on the comics, and this is why I like doing open mics a lot, because I'm showing them that they can do that. Like, I'm going up, and I'm being, like, casually racist in a funny way, and touching on all these things. Like, there's all these topics that are untouched. They're gold mines. There's so much material there. But no one wants to go there because they're faggots and pussies. And I'm like, you can go there though. Like, watch me. Look, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be okay. And I say to, like, I know some younger comics too who I'm friends with now. And I tell them and I say, guys, like, you shouldn't do what I do if you want to make it big. You know, if that's what you're interested in. And then I'm like, don't, like, don't follow my lead here. But for other comics, I'm like, if they go up, like that guy who went up, he's like, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you can do that. Like, no one's stopping you. No one's going to. There have been two times now where I've only alluded to maybe saying the M word on stage. And both times the host of each mic, neither of which person I dislike. Like, I like both of these people. But in both cases, the hosts... Um, one at one mic and one at another mic, the hosts were like, no, 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 no. They literally said, no, you can't do that. And I was like, I can though. I was like, I won't. That's fine. I said, that's fine. Like if everyone's going to freak out and get really uncomfortable, like I don't want to do that. So it, whatever. Um, so I won't, it's fine. But I'm like, I can though, you know, <laughs> like I don't, you don't need permission to do these things. Now, if you go around Harlem and you just start yelling it in, in a black guy's face, like he might attack you, you know, because that they do that. Those folks be those folks do be attacking people, white people. OK, so just proceed with caution. But if you're hanging out with all your white friends, like go for it. Here's what I was thinking. Um, I said this to my buddy, George. We were, um, actually, no, it was someone else, but we were, we were in the car. Um, a not black friend. It was a not black friend. And we were in the car, and I was just telling him, um, 
about this joke. I was like, he, I, I was like, uh, he was asking me about jokes because we were talking about comedy, and I was like, I have some jokes that I really like that I can't tell. Um, and he was like, give me an example, and I said, okay, there's one that's like, um, from from the, uh, it was during the pandemic. And it was after the vaccine had come out and I didn't get the vaccine. You guys know that. And uh, hang on, I'm taking a sip of water. And I went to a restaurant with my girlfriend at the time. And there was a hostess at, at the front of the restaurant. It was a really hot night in the summer of 2021. Really hot night. And um, we wanted to go eat inside and... And the girl, at, at the hostess, who was this young white lady, she said, um, are, you va- are you guys vaccinated? Do you have proof of vaccination? I said, no. And she said, well, you can't come in the restaurant then. <laughs> she said, you could, you could sit outside, though. And I said, okay, babe, go, go take a seat over there. I told my girlfriend, go take a seat. Um, so she walked over to the table outside, and she sat down. And I leaned over the hostess, and I looked in both directions, and I said, hey, um, am I a fucking nigger? And she was like, what? What? What did you, what did you just say? Like, she, she was flummoxed. She didn't know what to do. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, no, 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 don't worry. It's fine. I was like, I'm just wondering, am I a nigger? And she, she, did, she was like, uh... Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're not, she was like, you're not black. Well, no, I mean, I shouldn't. She was like, no, 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 you're not. And I was like, well, then why are you treating me like one? Like, that's an example. Okay. That's an example of like a joke that I thought it, it, my friend thought it was hysterical, you know, cause it's just like, <laughs> it's so jarring and out of the blue. And I said it, and I think I've said it on the podcast before, but I didn't, it might, it might've been an earlier because there was a period of time when I was like maybe 24 where I was throwing it into some jokes. But it's like, you, that spell's been broken for me. And I also credit that to Owen Benjamin for breaking that spell for me. Because that's been great. And again, it's like you don't go around saying it. Like, especially if you like your job. You know, but, so you don't say it at work, for example. <laughs> or, um, you know, you, you don't like, if you're going to say it in public, just be careful. Like, it's a word that you use, just be careful with it, but if you break that spell, it's like so many other spells, it's a particularly powerful one, though. You start to see how funny it is and how useful it can be as a comedic tool. Like, the, the well, because now I'm going to say it. Now, we've established that it can be said now. And it always could have been said. That's the beauty of it. It always could have been said. It's like we put these constraints on ourselves, and it's like we're all uh, we're all about free speech and stuff. But people will call it the N word, the N word. But it's like just say nigger, dude. Like what's the? It's so funny. I'm telling you, a well-timed nigger is the funniest fucking thing. It's it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Some of you might be jarred. Some of you might be rattled hearing it from a white man, but I'm telling you, it has to be from a white person, and it can't be nigga, okay, it can't be with an A, it's got to be the hard ER, don't culturally appropriate, with the A, that's the black version, use the white version, 
a white person using the white version has such astonishingly high potential return on investment. It's a high risk, high reward prospect is what I'm telling you. And I don't even know if you think that joke was funny. Maybe you don't. I think it's really funny, just like the, the, the situation. <coughs> because we were treated the, like, like, if any white people could, like, use the word, like, if you're still going to go by the rules of, like, well, you can use it, these people can, and these people can't. Um, if, if there's any whites who, who should be, um, who should have some... Uh, justification for using it it's the unvaccinated because we were treated like niggers for a while okay anyway um i don't want to linger on that point for too long but i did just want i did want to do that like it was important for me to do that i feel for for the sake of legitimacy for the sake of being authentic and credibility i think it's important for credibility I foresee a dramatic shift in culture. I was telling my sister the other night, I was like, people are going to know, I think, within like 30 to 40 years, I think it's going to be kind of common knowledge what really happened in Germany in the 1940s, you know, or Poland, you know, wherever, uh, wherever the work camps were. I think it's going to become more common knowledge. I don't think it's going to, this mythology, like the myth, all of the mythology surrounding World War II is so incredibly inverted. Like it's such an incredible inversion of the reality that I don't see how it could sustain itself for so long. Because it's the basis for so much that came after it. It's the mythological basis of like, the post-war ethos of America that's carried through to today. Like it's still, and Israel, obviously. But again, this has like, that reverberates in culture all over the Western world. It's such an important, I learned this the other day from one of the, from a podcast I was listening to that I never knew about. The, okay, you remember they stormed the beaches at Normandy. Everyone knows about this. D-Day, right? Do you know who was shooting? Do you know a lot of the people who were shooting at the Allied forces storming that, storming that beach were Frenchmen? Did you ever know that? There were like over 100,000 Frenchmen in the German, in the Reich that, that fought in the, in the Wehrmacht. Okay, there were over 100,000 Jews as well. Hitler's best friend for, for two decades was a Jew. These are things like, No one knows these things. And I'm not saying that all of these things will become common knowledge. Like a lot of them will just become knowledge to people who are interested in history. But I'm saying, I think you see a shift happening now and it's because of like the nature of the collapse where all of this degeneracy has been ushered in and it's going to be crushed, I think. And I don't even necessarily think that's a good thing. I'm not like rooting for it. And I don't know if I'm correct. I might be wrong and maybe the degeneracy will just continue unabated. But I could see the degree to which the degeneracy has like infiltrated many people's lives. 
Um, and when they're worried about it affecting their children, I can see people rallying around a really, really authoritarian figure. And I'm not even averse to authoritarianism these days so much uh, as I was when I was in my libertarian phase. Like, but I could see that happening. And I'm not like, again, I'm not rooting for it because I think it could get pretty messy. But I think that people who are pushing this kind of stuff should keep that in mind. <laughs> and just tread lightly. You want to be one of the good ones, I'm telling you. If you can, if you can manage that and make yourself one of the good ones, I would recommend that. You know, I'm certainly, I've certainly cla uh, qualified myself as one of the good Jews. I think that's, uh, un you can't debate that. That was a sip of water. Again, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, you can already see it in the culture. You can see things shifting. I am going into, I'm going into New York City all the time and I'm doing like mics and uh, some shows even because like people, there's a select few people who will book me and I'm doing really well and people are laughing a lot at the stuff that I'm saying and it's not the stuff that you would think that people in New York City would laugh at, not at all. Now I don't go to Brooklyn, okay, Brooklyn's gone. There's no hope for Brooklyn, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, in lower Manhattan, I'm going in there, and uh, and I'm saying this stuff, and I'm making fun of, like, almost exclusively Jews, gays, and blacks, you know, and other marginalized groups, but, and again, marginal, I say that, like, like kind of facetiously, but that's what I'm doing, and it's, like, working really well, <laughs> it's, like, you wouldn't expect it. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a boots on the ground report here. It's changing, folks. It's changing. People don't like it anymore. And or they don't care. There's a very loud minority who, who wants you to think that everyone cares and everyone's on that same page. They're not. Oh, goodness gracious. We really did a lot, so I mean, in this forty-five minutes, I think I'll just do an hour, because I, uh, I still want to go to sleep pretty soon, because I want to wake up early. I want to wake up at like seven, and go to the gym. Isn't that wild? Can you believe this? The difference this time, because I have you guys have experienced me go through these little phases where I'm not drinking. The difference this time is that I'm not smoking weed, and I'm not even exaggerating when I tell you that this two weeks of no weed that I've experienced right now is the longest I've gone without smoking weed in probably over 10 years. And like, my mind is working like full throttle. I'm telling like, just knocking out booze was always enough for my brain to like kick into high gear. But I was still smoking weed, not a lot, like I was not, I haven't been a stoner for like, that was obnoxious, I haven't been, I don't know if you heard, it was a loud car outside, I haven't been a stoner in like five, six years, but I was just, I would smoke like at night before bed, more or less, 
Um, and even even then, it was like I could feel my my brain like working better. I felt smarter. I felt sharper. Now it's like, oh man, it's fucking great. And I'm doing, and as a result, it's like I'm just crushing everything I'm trying to do well. I'm doing well. So maybe that's like an inspiring message to you if you're, if you're, because I've also like, I know people who smoke a lot of weed and you just call them junkies, you know, just acknowledge that you're a junkie. People think, uh, because they'll say, no, man, it comes from the earth, bro. Come on, man. It comes from the earth, bro. It's like God's, you know, fucking, it's like, dude, it's like, dude, it's from the earth, though. And like, yeah, but you're a junkie, you know, you like, let's normalize calling stoners junkies, even if it's just weed, call them a junkie, guilt them a little bit. I, I was looking at like, I, I was um, gathering stuff for my Instagram story to, to share like during the week. And I saw something about like uh, fat phobia and being fat positive. And I'm like, I wish there were more people in my life who would tell me to lose weight. I wish I had more, like, I wish my friends more often would, would make fun of my bitch tits. You know what I mean? That would motivate me. I don't want anyone to be like, you look, dude, your physique looks great. I would not want that because I know it's disingenuous, first of all. And it's just like, I think it's a, maybe that's a dude thing. Cause all this like fat positive stuff is women. I've not, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. I never see fat guys doing it. It's always women. So whatever women, like, I don't care. Do you, but I think for guys, I think it's good. I think it's good to like make fun of someone. I felt a little bad cause, um, I made fun, there's a, there's a comic, he's a younger comic, and I was, I was, uh, like, I roasted him a little bit, because we were talking, and, and he was like, yeah, I'm Jewish, and he's got a big nose, and, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm Jewish, and I was like, uh, we can tell, you know, and, and he didn't even get it, like, it was me and, like, a few other people, and the other people laughed, and I don't even know, I think I, I said either we can tell, or I was like, um, I was like, there's a pretty big clue, you know, something like that. And, and he didn't even really get it. And I was like, I'm making fun of how big your nose is. And, uh, and you know, he kind of laughed, but I could tell he was like a little upset by it. He's a, he's a young guy. He's like 22 or something. And I felt a little bad because I was like, he can't change that. That's the difference. Like, I mean, he could get a nose job, I guess. But like, come on, you know, that's like, it was more mean for me to have made fun of his nose is more mean than if he was fat. Like he's not fat, but if he was fat and I made fun and I roasted him for being fat, that's actually less mean because he can become less fat. He has power over that. You know, his nose is his nose, but he, his, uh, his weight that he can change. That's, that's, uh, that's something he can take control over. So it's, it's even less mean than like a lot of, if you're going to make fun of someone for, for being fat, like if their eyes are really far apart and you make fun of them for that, that's way more mean than making fun of them for being fat. So even just as like a mechanism for making fun of people, it's not even that bad because, but maybe, 
maybe, whoa, maybe that's why it's worse to them. Because objectively, it's not as bad how I just described it to you. But maybe to them, it's worse because they know they could change it. But they're too fucking lazy. Wow. Wow. I need a sip of water after that. Holy shit. I've had so much that I wanted to tell you, like, over the last two and a half months. But I'm like, like I said, I haven't had opportunities to do this. And this was just like spur of the moment that I started. I realize I've snapped now three times in the episode. I won't snap anymore. You can't keep doing things like it. I don't like that I did the third snap. In fact, the second snap, I already felt like I was doing too much. The third snap, I promise you, there will not be another snap for the rest of the episode. I don't want to be redundant. But this was just a spur of the moment thing because I told you that black guy got me riled up because he was telling the truth about Jews. And like a lot of black people won't do that. They think whites are the problem and they don't realize the extent to which Jews are their problem. And they don't realize the extent to which Jews will hide behind the shield of whites. And like me, I, I'm a full-blooded Jew, but I, I find myself to more have the perspective of a Michelin because I've ostracized myself from the Jews because I've learned the truth. But you could argue that they've ostracized me from them because I felt a sense of betrayal. Someone asked me on Twitter because, by the way, if you're not on Twitter, it's gotten a lot better. Now, here's the problem. Elon has started paying people for engagement. So if you get a lot of views, a lot of comments, a lot of likes, a lot of quote tweets, you and like retweets, you will get paid for that. So as a result, a lot of these bigger accounts have started doing worse quality stuff because they just do engagement posts. They'll be like, what do you think? Or does this make you mad? Do you think this is okay? Like they'll show something and be like, what do you make of this? You know, they'll like do a post and be like, what do you guys think? Sound off in the comments below. It's like a lot of that bullshit. There was a period of about three months where Twitter was fucking awesome. Like, and it's still good. It's still good. As I've said before, I don't know what to make of Elon. Like, I'm kind of agnostic on Elon. I'm agnostic. But Twitter, at least for now, and I know they're probably going to turn, like now that it's X and they're going to turn it into like a, like a payment processor and it's just going to be the everything app and it's going to like, it's going to be bad. I just think it's going to be bad. But right now, I would encourage you to get on Twitter. I've been learning a lot. Like all of this stuff that was in the underworld of Twitter has now risen to the surface and it's easier to find and it's all over the place and you realize there's a lot more like-minded people than you thought before all that stuff that was getting buried and you would never see it it's there it's everywhere and there's a lot of people who think the way that we do and it's refreshing and it's fun like it's been a lot of fun anyway i was talking to like i was in And I bounce around because I go to communist Twitter and I go to like 
really far right Twitter. I wouldn't even really call it fascist Twitter because they're not fascists, but they are very far right. Um, they're more like white nationalists. They're like Christian nationalists, this kind of thing. But they don't resemble like they don't resemble any fascist. They don't really utilize fascist rhetoric. They reference philosophers and um, authors who were influential in the creation of fascism. But that again, it's like that's just right-wing ideology manifesting itself in one way. It's like left-wing ideology doesn't necessarily manifest itself as communism. That's just one manifestation of left-wing ideology. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Some guy asked me, because I see people like, sometimes they'll, they'll say they don't think there are any good Jews. And I kind of get it because Jews get so defensive. And so their, their knee-jerk reaction, it's like the Leo Frank thing that I told you guys about. It's like the knee-jerk reaction of the Jewish establishment was to defend a, a pedophile rapist murderer. That was their knee-jerk reaction as defensive Jews. They were like, no, 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 he must be innocent because he's Jewish. This has to be anti-Semitism. Okay? So Jews get this knee-jerk reaction where they'll go to the extent where they will defend pedophile rapist murderers just because they're Jewish, okay? So a lot of these Christians, they get the idea that like all Jews are bad because they see it so often. And I try to snap them out of it by I'll chime in and I'll talk to them. And I'll say, no, there's actually like good Jews. Some of us get it. And I'm like, I tell them I like fight, I fight on I fight on the side of the Goy. I fight on the side of the Gentile. I fight on the side of the non-Jew. Like, that's where my allegiance lies. I don't fight for the Jews. You know, I find myself to be more of an American than a Jew. And I know that I'm not fully American, And I, but I also acknowledge that. Like, you have to make an acknowledgement. A lot of people who come here and they think they're American, it's like, you know, it's like Vivek Ra Ramaswamy or whatever the fuck his name is, like running for president. You know... I don't know. I don't think he's the worst guy in the world, but he talks about like, oh no, you don't have to be, basically his point is like, you don't have to be white to be an American. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, like what does nation mean? You know, cause nation means blood in a lot of ways. It's not the only thing, but it means it in a lot of ways. And when you listen to these people whose Families like in their lineage goes back to early America, like their their ancestors landed in America in the 1600s, you know, or even before that in some in some cases. They have more of a claim of being American than I do, where I'm only like the third generation that's been here. You know, my family on either side only came here in like the early to mid 1900s. So I don't have like a, a blood claim to this land, you know, and I, I do have a blood claim to Judaism, which is a nation of its own. Like Judaism everywhere in the world is a nation. It's not a nation state. That's Israel. But Jews belong to a nation because we share a bloodline. And I do think that Ashkenazis aren't actually Jews, but that's a whole different thing. But either way, I have a bloodline 
I have a shared bloodline with Ashkenazis, Ashkenazis then. I mean, I have a little Sephardic within me, but it's not much. It's mostly Ashkenazi from what I've gathered. Um, but a lot of the, the, the thing about like the Jewish question that you've probably heard of before, we're, we're at an hour now. I, I'll do, I could do some more. If I end abruptly, it's because someone, some, like one of my roommates got home and I, I just cut off because like, I don't want them to hear any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you, do you get it now? Why I, why I like to do the podcast when no one's home? Do you get it now? Does it make sense now? Do you get it? I also like realized when I talk for a while, especially for an hour plus, I like my, my throat gets really dry and I like, I got to talk longer more often, I think, and I'll just get used to it. But I, I, you'll notice I'm taking more sips of water. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's something that I've noticed and it always happens around an hour. <clears throat> um, Anyway, maybe because I just like I talk like you, you hear my voice like I project a lot and I talk like a fucking man, you know, but I, maybe if I like talk more calmly and like use my NPR voice. Mm, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. if I use my NPR voice. Mm, yes. Yes. Um, if I use my NPR voice and hold the mic up really close to my mouth. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Then, I probably wouldn't need to uh, take so many sips of the, my water. Mm-hmm. That was my NPR Obama. <clears throat> Obama is, like, openly gay now. Did you see any of these stories? Guys, what's going on now? I mean, we all knew, like... There was that guy who said that he sucked Obama's dick after they smoked crack together. And... um I don't know if any of you know about that. That's more something you'd know in conspiracy world, but that guy like came out publicly and said that. And he was like in the, um, he was involved in Illinois politics. I don't know if he was like a staffer or something when, uh, Barack was like, I don't remember what Barack was. He might've been like a state Senator or something. Who the fuck knows? Who cares? Um, but Barack's gay and now it's like open because of something that some lady wrote and like his ex, one of his exes said that he would talk about his fantasies of like sleeping with men. And, um, so it, it doesn't surprise me. It's just the fact that it's out in the open now, um, is just, biz- this is also bizarre. Cause like is now is is uh Michelle going to be like they were right that bulge on the Ellen show that's a dick you know is that going to i don't know <laughs> anyway the jewish question was always that you had all these jews all across europe okay and they weren't loyal to the nation that they resided in they were loyal to Jewry. They were loyal to international Jewry. That's kind of where that comes from, the international Jew. If you're familiar with the Henry Ford book, yes, that Henry Ford. Um, so they were like a nation, and a nation is like a collection of people. It is like a peoples, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Like, And most nations are nation states. 
But, like, for example, when Hitler's trying to, like, unify the Germanic people, that, like, includes Austrians and Germans and, you know, like, all people of, with, you know, Germanic blood, um, wanting to unify them into a larger nation state. So, there can be people outside of Germany who are, you know, who who have Germanic blood and are of the Germanic nation. It's like, oh, the, this is the way I was describing it to my parents. It's like the Cherokee nation. Like, Native Americans don't have a state. They reside within the United States of America. But the Cherokee nation is people... You know, that's like a lineage. They all have ancestors who were Cherokees. They all have Cherokee blood. They are the Cherokee nation. You understand? Jews operate like that, or they did. They, I mean, they still do, but they had for a long, long time. And then this became a problem in Europe. It was useful on the one hand, and then it was a problem on the other hand. And I learned this from Thomas 777 on his, he did a, he just did like a five part series with Pete Canones. You can look up Pete Canones, Q-U-I-N-O-N-E-S, Quinones. Um, You can look up his podcast and he did a five part series about the Jewish question. Now, on the one hand, it was beneficial because you might not have, like, you might be in France and you want to trade with Poland and, you know, maybe there are no connections. Maybe it's like in the 1600s and, like, the king of France wants to conduct commerce with Poland, but, and I don't even know, I don't even know if Poland was a nation state at the time. I don't know. Just bear with me, please. He wants to trade with the Ottomans, but he doesn't know any. But there's some Jews in the Ottoman Empire, and the French president, or the French king, I should say, I'm all, I'm all mixed up right now, has some Jews in his circle, because Jews always rise to the top, they're like cream. They always find themselves not directly in the power position, but adjacent to it, and influential. This happens repeatedly, you can see it always, that's part of what the noticing is, that's like the meme. But if, if the king of France wants to, um, you know, conduct commerce with the, the Ottomans or whatever, I don't even know if I'm getting the timelines right here, but there would be some Jews who know some Jews and they can make it happen. So in that regard, it was actually useful in Europe. Like there were elements of it that were very useful. On the other hand, during like times of war, especially, it's like, you're worried about this potentially subversive element within your society. You're like, are these people going to hold it down for France? Or do they have no loyalty to France? And will they, will they stab us in the back if their other Jewish friends need some assistance? Or if their other Jewish friends could get them a, a good deal? So really, the Jewish question became like, how do we get these people to be nationalists? How do we get them to be French instead of Jews? You know, there's nothing like hateful about this. It's interesting and it did happen for hundreds of years in Europe. You know, like they wouldn't even want to speak French. They would speak Yiddish. 
And I'm just using France as an example, but it would happen all over. You know, they'd be in like Slavic regions and they're not, they don't want to even learn the language. They want to continue to speak Yiddish. They don't want to assimilate. Okay? And the Jewish question became like, how do we get these people to assimilate? And that's the thing. Ultimately, it's like, even with, and a lot of people like, aren't going to believe this, um, sip of water, but just understand that like what you know about, I don't want you to get it twisted and, and think that I'm making Hitler into some kind of hero, but it's like the things that you've heard particularly about World War II and everything that surrounds it is almost entirely wrong or completely misleading. Just understand that you're, you're, that your understanding of it, you have to be willing to unlearn all of that if you want to get to the heart of it. And even getting to the heart of it, you're never going to know the truth when it comes to history. You're never going to fully know the truth. But you can get closer. That's the goal. You can get closer. But even in Germany, Hitler, it was like, if you were a Jew and you were like, no, I'm a German, you know, and I can relate to this. And the problem with right-wingers who are like very anti-Semitic, which I get, but the problem with them is that they're like, I saw a guy in his handle, his literally his Twitter handle was at, yes, it's all of them. And he's talking about Jews, like he only posts about Jews. And he said, at, yes, it's all of them. And I said something to him. I said something on a different post. I said, some of us actually get it. I said, I want to speak on behalf of some of us Jews, like some of us do get it. And he said, you're either not Jewish or you're lying. Um, because all of you are subversive and all of you, like whatever he said. And I, I just said, I, I, t I said to him, I said, you can't be this dumb. I'm like, the stakes are too high right now for you to be this dumb. Because it's like, it's not good I've even found myself, I, I have the same types of conversations with communists where I'm like, dude, like, I get it. I'm like, we're all looking around and we're like, it's not good. It's not good. And the truth is, it, it'll probably get a lot worse before it gets better. I know that's like a corny thing to say, but we're looking around and we're like, I don't like this. Communists don't like it, and and uh, and the the right wingers and the anti semites, we all don't like it. So I say to some of these communists, I'm like, look, I get it, and I I say to them, I I say, I think, look, I say, we're not going to agree on solutions here, but I think we can all agree that there's a problem. We want to fix it. I think we're all on the same page there. So anyway, it's like even in Germany and Hitler with those Jews, he was like, then they're Germans, you know, that's why they fought for his military. You think he would have allowed that to arm them? He would have given them guns. Even Hitler knew it wasn't all Jews. Like that's what you got to understand here. Hitler gave them guns. He allowed them to fight in the military. He, he allowed them to operate heavy, heavy, you know, military machinery. 
he didn't suspect that they were going to turn their guns on the German on on the you know the non-Jewish Germans of the military, and neither did their you know their lieutenants or their commander. They knew they that these were Germans, you know. That's what I mean when I say that I consider myself more of an American than a Jew because I felt betrayed by Jews. This is the whole point that I was trying to get to. I said to I was having a back and forth with. Uh, like a really right-wing guy who posts really funny anti-Jew stuff. And uh, and I like him and I follow him. And I was explaining that to him and, and, and someone chimed in and they said, what? when did it change for you? Like, when did you snap out of it? Because I used to be, a, like, I was a Zionist when I was younger. I was a Zionist in my early 20s. You know, I believed all that shit. And, you know, I'm not like... The degree to which I was so influenced by propaganda, like I give myself a pass on that. I don't, I don't feel like stupid for having believed it. It's like when you're a Jew, if you're a Jew and you go to Hebrew school, they're telling you from the time you're like 10 years old that it would have been you in the oven. I'm not kidding you. You learn about the Holocaust when you're very young, if you're a Jew and you go to Hebrew school, you know, and the implication is always if you were there, you would have been gassed alive to death. And they would have put you in a torture chamber and they would have they would have made you watch while your parents got slowly tortured and murdered to death, you know, and they tell you this again, it's insinuated. It's just the implication. I'm not saying they directly say this, but they're like horror stories and they make you watch Schindler's List and shit. It's fucking retarded. It's traumatizing. It's trauma based mind control. We've talked about that many times before. This is what being a free Jew means. It just means being a Jew that gets it. It's the same as being a black who gets it. The black guy I was just watching that inspired me to do this episode is a black who gets it. It's the same way I'm a Jew who gets it. And you could be anyone and you could get it. But you got to get it. And it's like when Vivek Ramaswamy... It's like, I never want someone with the last name Ramaswamy to be president of the United States. I'm sorry. No, 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 never mind. Actually, I, I take back that I said, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry about that at all. You can't be the president of the United States and have the last name Ramaswamy. Even if you were born here. It's just like, no. No. Even Barack, like, I feel that blacks have more of a claim of... Of American nationalism than a lot of the other minority groups in the country, myself included. And I'm white, like I identify as white, but there are some whites who would be like, no, you're not, you're a Jew. And I'd be like, all right, well, whatever. But I'm white. And uh, those are my people, I, I feel. And I, I, I st- look, I still got love for Jews, like big time. Sorry, I had to pause for a second um, and and move into uh, my my room. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a white guy, and um, but I, I do love Jews. It's not who's Kanye talking about, right? It's not me. It's not you. Who who's anyone talking about when they're talking about the Jews? Unless they're dumb. 
we all know who they're talking about, okay? And we've discussed this before, so we don't need to go over it again. <laughs> but it, it, no, no President Ramaswamy, okay? No President Garlic Naan, you, n none of that. It's just not, no. I, I think, and if you're going to have a black president, they should be, I don't know, they should be ADOS, I guess. Maybe let's just not do that. I think maybe we just don't do that, too. Um, but I, I'm saying, it, it. I just feel like they have more of a claim, especially if their ancestors were brought over here like a long time ago. Then... It's just more of a claim. It's more of a legitimate claim of being an American. And you don't have to get all upset about it. It's like, it's okay. And you can embrace being an American and assimilate, you know, culturally. In addition to, it's like, there's, mul there's multiple layers to assimilation. It's not just the language. It's also like, don't have, like a lot of Jews have dual loyalty. I know a lot of Jews who have dual loyalty and they feel a loyalty to Israel. You know, you can do that. I'm not saying you're not allowed to do that, but there's really no dual loyalty. It's one or the other when it comes to these sorts of things. Like if the United States and Israel went to war tomorrow, whose side are you on? All right. Whose side are you on? Jew. I hope you pick the right side, because I'll be right there with you if you do. Listen, that's all I'm going to do for now, but there will be another episode coming out very in a few days after this one, okay? Because I'm going to record that now. Um, I was going to do, I was considering now doing, because I have the, the space, I was considering now doing like a two and a half hour episode, but I think I'll just record another one and release it in a few days. I'm gonna figure out what I wanna talk about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a little time to think and then, and then I'll record that one and that'll be released a few days after. But that's it for now. Remember, death of the cool. We're worried about black people, okay? We're racist, I mean, I, I am. Yeah, I don't know if you are. I may be racist, but I still worry about them and I still want what's best for them. Okay? And, uh, and I, I think it's important that they're cool. I think that's important. I'm not, I'm not even making a joke, really. I mean, it's kind of funny, I guess. But I think it's important that they're cool. And I just don't like what... And I'm not even going to put it all on the Jews. Like, the, the Jews are making these black guys offers. You understand? And they're paying them to paint their fin fingernails. I don't even know if they're directly telling them to paint their fingernails or they're just giving them hints and clues. But ultimately, they're the ones taking the money and doing these things. So the responsibility has to be on them. Now, I don't like how the Jews try to subvert. There's nothing the Jews won't subvert, including black culture. It's like, really, do you have to even do that? Where, how are you gaining power by doing that? I don't know. I guess it's just keeping them docile and and uh, keeping them from being a problem. Maybe in that regard, it's good. I don't know. Look, I, I don't know. It's a lot to think about. But 
I just do feel that it is important that they remain cool. So we've gone through the birth of the cool, you know, in 1950. And now we've experienced the death of the cool, which happened around 2018. And we're currently still in the death, in the dead phase of the cool. But there can be a rebirth of the cool for black people. So if you know any black people, make sure they're being cool. And if if you know any black people who are being really uncool, then just, you know, politely bring it up to them that, that they should be cooler. Politely bring it up to them that they all have to play a role. Every, everyone has to put a hand in here to make blacks cool again. Because, like, I, I'm trying to make, make whites white again, if that makes any sense. Um, we all have a role to play, and it's racial or ethnic. But we all have a role to play, so... If, if, you, if you know a black and you're worried about him and he's, he's acting really uncool, then talk to him about it or her. And that, that's all for now. I love you. Thanks for listening.